Ever felt that way? Like you got in some quicksand and just couldn't find your way out? Like you're walking right along, minding your own business and, and trying to survive all the predators around you, and then you find yourself stepping right smack dab into quicksand and sinking fast? You didn't see it coming, and this is one of those times that um, you just wasn't prepared for it. And after all, who prepares for something like that? It's quick, it's deadly, and then you go to thinking, what did I do to deserve this? Or what am I going to do now? We live in a world right now, I think, that is they have walked off into quicksand and they don't know how to get out. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about um, how we get there and how we get out. Sometimes we just make bad decisions in life. I've done that. And it leads to places um, that are like quicksand. You get stuck in it and there, you can't find any solution and you're trying to pull yourself out and sometimes you just have to work your way out. I've had to do that sometimes. Other times there are people in our lives that create those places and then there's just times when life happens and we, not, we haven't been there before so we don't know how to rely on experience. We don't know how to respond to it. We, our successes or our failures or even good advice, we don't know. And so when I saw this little clip, I thought, boy, isn't that life? And, and I love how he talked about when he got in the quicksand, how he moved, maneuvered himself out of it. It didn't happen all at once. I'm thankful that we serve a God that can get you out of it quickly. But then he talked about how he had to wash it off of him because of the, the junk that was in the sand that could set up infection. And, and I love that the, I, when I saw that, I related it to what we've been doing on this part of the service, how that just washes away a lot of times the things that the world has given us and we've accepted. But today we're going to talk about a man that was trying to figure out how to get out of the mess. And in Numbers 21, um, and I'm not going to go there and read a lot, but I'm just going to kind of give you the outline just so um, I can watch for time. But Moses had been leading the Israelite children toward the promised land. And they were defeating enemies everywhere they went. They were successful in defeating the, the enemy. Um, I don't, I, whatever their name was, no matter how large they were, wherever they were located, the Israelite children were winning their battles. They were gaining this reputation of success and protected people by God. After all, let's think about it. Their supernatural God led them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. He fed them food from heaven. He brought water out of a rock for them. Um, he didn't, they didn't get sick. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their feet didn't swell. They were a blessed people, and word had got out ahead of them. In Numbers, it talks about how everybody dreaded seeing their army, even that group of people, even come their way because they were so blessed that they were terrified of them. And so, um, in Numbers 22, the Moabites and the Midianites were a couple of, they were all ites. They all joined troops because they were so afraid of the Israelite children. And they hired a prophet who was known for speaking curses over somebody. How would you like that reputation? Well, his name was Balaam. And so, they hired him to go over the Israelite children and speak a curse over them. And three times he tried to curse them. And every single time when he started speaking, his words would come out a blessing. Every single time. That's how protected God's children was. It was bad. They couldn't even pay someone to curse God's children. But then, but then, we go to Judges 6. And here's what happens so many times when we get so blessed in life. We forget just where the blessings are from. 
and we let the world draw us back in and we let the things of the world and life in general make us ungrateful for what we've gotten. I tell you, a grateful heart is big in the eyes of God. It's big in the eyes of God. And so anyway, the, the children of Israel had turned their back on God and they went back to sin and they began to, they began to worship foreign gods. They, they built them a Baal and they began to bow down to that Baal and worship. This is the people that had seen all these supernatural things happen. They had all the blessings that you could even possibly want and then they turned away from it. And how many of us have done the very same thing? We're walking along in life, blessed as we can be. I mean, everything is going well, and then we hit quicksand and wonder how we got there. Well, so many times it's decisions we've made, and that's exactly what they did. And so because of this, they were delivered into the very hands of the same people who were terrified of them just a short time before, the Midianites. They were the biggest threat to Israel, and they'd actually even been hiding from the Israelite, uh, from the Midianites because in Judges 6, let's read verses 3 through 6 if you got your Bible with you. Let's get into the Word for just a minute here. And it says, verse 3, yeah, So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey, verse 5, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So Israel would go out, they would plant their fields, they would raise their cattle, all of their animals, and the Midianites would come up, they said they were like locusts, they would just come in in droves, and they would come upon the land and they would destroy everything that was right at harvest time, they would destroy it. They were bullies. You ever been bullied? <laughs> And they would, they would destroy all of their livestock. And they have done, had done it so much that the Israelite children had nothing. They were impoverished. The Bible said they didn't even have food to eat. They were, they were so destroyed by these people. They lived in fear. And, and this just continued to happen over and over. Now, you think about it for a minute. Okay, let's think. You work hard day after day. You try to make ends meet. You try to tuck a little bit away. You get ahead. And every single time the enemy comes... And destroys it. Every single time that you put $100 in the savings, the car tears up and you have to put that money to it. Every single time you put a couple hundred dollars in the savings account, somebody gets sick and has to go to the doctor. It's the same concept. This was their enemy coming into their harvest and what they had done, destroying and taking away everything that they had worked so hard for. We have an enemy who does the very same thing to us. John 10, 10, it's written in red, and you know the verse yourself. You could all probably quote it. It says, the thief, Satan, the enemy, does not come except for these reasons. To what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. That's the only reasons he's come. That's the only reasons he stays on earth, to kill, steal, and destroy. But that's huge. And, but Jesus said, but I came, I have come that they may have life, oh, not just life, that they may have it more abundantly. 
I'm telling you, when you pull yourself out of that quicksand and you clean yourself off and you allow the Lord to begin to work in your life again, he will bless you abundantly. I'm telling you, I'm proof of it. I, am pr- I could tell you stories all morning long about how he has proven himself. And so let me ask you a question today. Who's stolen your harvest? What keeps on and on stealing what you've worked so hard for? Who are you afraid to stand up to? And why is it happening? It's yours. It's been blessed and given to you. Why are you losing it? But in verse six they, did, 6, they did what we need to do when we're sinking in the quicksand of life. They cried out to the Lord, and he heard them. He's always listening for our cry, always. And so today, if, I mean, if you are dealing with the quicksand situation, and you are, it seems like you're just losing things right and left, all he's waiting for is you to cry out for his help. And I'm telling you, I love it every single time God would come back on the scene. The Israelite children would do this over and over. And in his mercy and in his grace... He would come back and bless them. Now, let's go to verse 11. And I'm skipping a little bit for sake of time. But in verse 11, here we go. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Orpah, or whatever, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did the Lord not bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So here's Gideon. He's hiding out. And the angel of the Lord comes in and sits down where he's threshing wheat in the wine press. He's hiding from his enemy. You can't thresh wheat in a wine press. It's the location is wrong, the process is wrong, and so the result is wrong. A wine press is not made to thresh wheat. A wine press is enclosed because it was a hiding place for Gideon. Threshing wheat was out in the open to where the chaff of the wheat would blow away. So he was doing it in the wrong place, in the wrong way, and he was getting the wrong result. And many Christians are going to do the same thing. Because we try to be good enough to live that life of holiness to God. And and if we try to do it by any other way than the finished work of the cross, and I don't remember who set it up here, but Jesus Christ That's the only way we're ever going to be good enough. If we're doing it any other way, I'm telling you, I can't be good enough. I can't do enough good things. I can't read my Bible enough. I can't pray enough to be what God wants me to be. Jesus paid that price. And when I think that if I read a chapter a day and if I think I pray a day and they're all good things, if I think I pray an hour a day, if I think I come to church every time, that's going to satisfy God That is not what he's looking for. Just like Joe said this morning, he's looking for that condition of your heart. And if you're doing that, you're trying to thresh wheat in the wine press. 
We're doing the wrong process in the wrong place. And so the result's wrong because what you're going to do is wear yourself out. But here's when we need to realize when we're saved and forgiven of our sins and living an eternal life, not because what we do, but what Jesus did. We've got to keep that in our minds, even as Christians. And if you're here today and you don't know him as your Savior, you really need to hear this. You'll never do it well enough, but the price has already been paid. The work's already been done. You just got to accept that because here's what Psalms 103, five of my favorite verses say that Jesus done for us. He forgives us all of our iniquities, our sins. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. See, the price has been paid. And when we realize that we will quit walking in fear, we're going to mess up and, and walk in faith instead and fall in love with Jesus, our Redeemer, our Healer, that's when things go well. All Jesus is saying to you today is come. That's all he's saying, come. You don't have to have proof that you've been to Bible college. You don't have to have proof that you've never sinned. or that all, You don't even have to have proof that all your sins are forgiven because he paid that price for you on the cross. All he's saying today to you is come. And we as Christians even put that upon ourselves to think we've got to do things a certain way in order for, for, for Jesus to be happy with us. The happiest time Jesus has with you is when you get alone with him and just listen to him. And we just don't do it. I got up early this morning so I could have a little bit of time. Um, boy, 6.15 in the morning and Bernie is quiet. On a Sunday morning, especially when you can sleep in, it was quiet. And it was very easy to hear the Lord's voice this morning. And in verse 12, I love that the angel says to scare it out of his wits, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Valor means great courage in the face of danger. Now, this mighty man of God was hiding in a wine press to try to, to get some food because of the enemy he was scared to death. God's going to call you out when you least think you can do something at your lowest time, and he's going to remind you who you are in him. Not because of what you've done, but who you are in him. He will pick that time when you're hiding, you're hiding to pull you out and say, you mighty man of courage in the face of danger, I'm picking you. Don't look at your neighbor. I'm talking about you. Okay? And when you're scared spitless to stand up and testify or pray or to get baptized, he will pour a courage and a boldness in you that will sustain you when your knees are knocking. I have a, a little, well, I won't get there yet because I don't want to get ahead of myself. Gideon was doing what we often do. He was whining instead of praying. Now, see if this sounds familiar. Lord, if you're with us, then why is this happening to me? You ever said that? Lord, where's all those miracles I've heard about? Have you forgotten me? Have you delivered me over to the enemy? You just can't hide from the enemy. I'm just going to tell you right now. You cannot hide from the enemy. You've got to confront him. As a child of God, you've got to confront him and not try to hide from him. So Gideon here, and the Lord turns to him and says, here's the way he responds to his, um, to his um, whining. 
The Lord says, go in this might of yours, save Israel. Have I not sent you? How many of y'all are sitting there today? And if you were honest, if you were honest, you would admit that you've heard God say, I'm sending you. And yet you've hidden because you are scared spitless and your knees are knocking and you're thinking, I'm not going to do it. I've got some volunteers coming up here in a little bit. And we were laughing because everybody wants to know what the one of the 30 is. What, what's, what is this? And they're just going to have to wait and find out. They don't even know why they're coming up here. <laughs> I love it. I got them on guard. and But they're all nervous. I've already had some threats. And I've already had. But, yeah, I have, seriously. Um, haven't I, Preston Flippin? <laughs> Not only that, one of the wives of one of the 30 told somebody else that he was going to have to do the altar call, and he may not even get up here. That is not the plan. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, that is just exactly where Gideon was. He was so scared of what God was calling him to do that he was hiding from the enemy. And he's like, I can't do that. Are you kidding me? He said, my family is the least of all of us. And of all of my family, I'm the least. Stop putting yourself down. Just stop it. If God comes to you and calls you, do you not know that he already knows what family you belong to? He already knows that maybe you don't have the most courage. You, you cannot argue with God. It, he, you'll never win. You'll never win. And he'll make you miserable until you say yes, because I've been there. That's the truth. So the Lord said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Man, if we could get that in our mind. That when God says shall, it's a done deal. When God says what he says in his, that's why I, I'm constantly telling people, every time I teach almost, I will tell people, get in the word, find out what belongs to you. Because when you get in there, realize what God has said you can have, then you can stand on it. I mean, you can take it to town, you can take it to the bank where I work, and we'll believe you. Because it's the word of God and, and the words, the Bible says the word will not return void. It is yours to stand on. And I tell people, either it's real and I'm going to believe it or I'm going to throw it away. But he's done enough for me in my life that I know it's truth. I know there's life in this word. I know I can take a promise and I can stand on it and believe it. And it might not happen the way I think it will, but it will happen. And so that's what God tells him. Now you got to remember Remember that this enemy was huge in number. And, and, I mean, they were like thousands and thousands of them. And they were a mean bunch. I mean, they were, mean, they were ruthless. They were heartless. They'd come in and destroy this people's harvest every single time. So we're going to go to chapter 7. And my 30, my 30 chosen, would you please come up on the stage and form a line behind me? Brave souls of the Lord, mighty army. Talk about having some power behind me. So in chapter 7, verses 2 through 7, the Lord said to Gideon, wow, y'all just stay up here the whole time. The Lord said to Gideon, I didn't pick them, by the way, they were, they were God-chosen. The people who are with you, he tells Gideon, here's the war plan, okay? Through all this chapter, don't be talking now. Y'all listen. 
soldiers. You just can't get them to control. Okay, so he, he tells Gideon, he says, here's what I'm going to have you do, and here's how you're going to do it. And he proved, I'm not going to go through the whole scripture, but he proved to Gideon over and over, I'm, I promise you I'm going to be with you. Don't doubt me. I promise you I'm with you. You're going you're gonna to have me on your side this whole time. And so Gideon keeps saying, oh, Dad, God, show me something else. Let me be sure. Gideon still wasn't that mighty man of valor to himself, even though God said he was. So then he begins to um, gather the people. And it says in verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon. See, he gives him instructions. The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. I always loved this story. never really understood a lot of it until recently. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water from his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Look at this. Okay, I'm going to let them represent my army, Gideon's army. Y'all get to be the mean, ruthless bunch of Midianites. Now, let me tell you something. I asked one man to pick me out 30 men in the congregation and put them up here because we're going to play numbers because I don't have that many people to, I don't have thousands of people. But I wanted to get my point across to you what God is saying to him. So Gideon rallies up his men, 32,000 men. Mine's 30. Now, listen, they're already outnumbered by a great deal, all right? But they were ready to get their lives back. They were sick of this. Now, if I was coming against you all, when I look at what's behind me, I'm pretty stinking confident. I think I could take ins. I think we could take ins. I think with these guys backing me, I think I'd win. I mean, they're a pretty tough looking bunch. Look at them. They look like a bunch of warriors to me. I think I could depend upon them. I think that I would be able to go out and be victorious if I had them supporting me. I can tell you this right now. If I had something I needed to conquer, this is 30 of them that I would want with me. But you know what God said to Gideon? He said, that's just too many. And I can just imagine that mighty man of valor hiding in the wine press saying, Lord, are you kidding me? They got thousands and thousands of people, and I got 32,000. I actually got 30. And you're telling me that's too many? And the Lord said, yeah, because if I let you go now and win, you'll claim the glory for yourself. You'll take the credit and say, I did it. Me and my army did it, and you'll forget about me. The Lord said, that won't work. So he sent some of them home. 
So I need 20 of you to go sit down. Two, four, six, eight, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. They go home. They're really not scared. They'd stay up here with me the whole time. And so, here we are. Y'all coming together back there behind me? Yeah, okay. I was just checking to see if Paul knew how to count. So then, the Lord said, oh, that's, that's too many. He says, now you got to send these guys home that um, they're not alert enough with the way that they're preparing to go. Um, and that's about the water and how they drank the water. He said, they're not alert enough, so I'm going to have to cut you down some more. And I can just imagine what Gideon says. I can just imagine in his mind he's thinking, hey, I had a powerful army here, and you made me send over half of them home. Now I'm down to 10 people, and you're telling me that's too many? Yep, that's what God said. So out of the 10,000 men that were left, only three of them drank right, got it right. So Gideon sent seven more home. Three, six. Y'all can go sit down. Do you see what I'm trying to show you, the odds that were against Gideon when he went into battle? I don't know if I can take these three and lick all you now or not. They would be by, they'd have my back. But I don't know if I could win with these three. It was bad enough when I had 30. And then when I had 20 uh, leave and I still had 10, I thought, they're pretty good. But then he made seven more leave and I'm left with three guys to go into battle with. Oh, that wasn't all of it. That wasn't all of it. In verse 16, listen to this. That God of ours, how in the world am I going to know this? He said in verse 16, divide them into three companies. And here's what he said. Put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and tortures, torches inside the pitchers. Okay, that's what he said. So, not only did he take all of his soldiers away, but here's the weapons they were going to fight with. Our God. All right, I didn't... I, Pitchers, he sent them with pitchers, yeah. He sent them with torches, but I don't trust these three, so we're going to use, this is our torch, <laughs> especially Nick. But I'm going to give all three of them a trumpet. They're going to all three get a trumpet. Y'all want to try them trumpets out? Okay, go ahead. I bet you I could get the... Jason and Lori's little kids up here, and they make them sound. That's what he gave them to fight with. Now, I'm being a little bit facetious here because I didn't have a trumpet, and I didn't want a lot of torch, and because Pastor would never, ever let me preach again if I burnt the church up. So that's what he gave them to fight with. Pitchers that they were going to break to make noise. Trumpets to blow. Yeah. And my torch. Good job, Nick. So not only do they go out outnumbered, this is my three mighty soldiers that's going with me, mighty men of valor, but this is the weapons they've got to use. 
Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. So they go out in the middle of the night and they surround the entire camp of these enemies with these big weapons they have. Let me just give you some food for thought here. When it seems like you're barely surviving, God's going to make a way. Sometimes that way will be through you. God's plan won't always make any sense to you. And the plan will bring the glory to God, not to you. And victory will come with small and unusual resources. That's what I got out of these next, let me read these next verses, 17 through 22. And I'll wind it down. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, y'all blow yours. Very good. And say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Watch those trumpets. Just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets, and they broke the pitcher. Kind of pretend like you are. Don't break my pitcher. And then the three companies others did the same thing. And they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord of Gideon. And listen to this. Every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 men blew the trumpets, the Lord set his every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled from them. And I'm not going to go through all the places. Thank you, guys. You can take your stuff with you even. I didn't, I didn't come up here to be funny. But you'll never forget this lesson, will you? Because I'm telling you, God will put you by yourself or he'll put you with some people that you think, there is no way we're going to win. I'm telling you, when I, 10 years ago when I started coming here, if you would have told me what I was going to be seeing here on March the 23rd, 2021, I would have said, you're nuts. But I'm telling you, that's the kind of God we serve. When you take what little bit you got and you say, here, Lord, it's yours. You just do what you want to with it. Whatever the weapons are, you go ahead and give us our weapons, whatever they might be. I'm telling you, if you think, don't think praise and worship's not a weapon, it's a weapon. If you think getting on these altars and praying's not a weapon, it's a weapon. We don't recognize what our weapons are, and that's why we see the prayers and the worship is what's brought on what we're seeing day after day. So what are you hiding in the wine press to do? It's just stepping out in faith for what God is playing. I'm going to ask you guys to... Start coming back on up, maybe get started quietly. I want to ask you something. I want you to think about it for a minute. Think about this story. Who do you think God's going to pick to lead the battle instead of you? What if you're the one he's picked? Just you. Don't look at your neighbor. Just you. What if you're the one? I'm going to tell you right now, don't, don't go by what, how old you are. Don't go by that because God doesn't. Don't go by how much education you have because that doesn't move God. He's going to pick out people that nobody else would have picked out. He's going to. I tell you, I pray with some of these young ladies in the church, and I had no idea what they had in them. By looking at them, you wouldn't have a clue. But boy, you get in a circle with them, and you start praying, and you see what they got inside them. What if they'd have said no? I'm not doing it. What if they said, I'm too scared, I'm not going to step out? What lie have you believed that's convinced you that you aren't something one God can work through? 
everybody in here. I don't care if this is your first time here. You're here for a reason. There's nothing that the cross didn't take care of. I don't care what you've done. And then you need to accept that love and sacrifice that Jesus gave you so you could walk as a son or daughter of God.